latest episode of the Brushwaters Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brushwaters Union, Simon Berman. This month, I am joined by my very first guest from the Brushwaters Union podcast. 40 episodes ago, Dave Taylor. Dave, thanks for coming back. Dave's a good buddy and Brushwaters Union member, and he's got lots of cool stuff going on, so I'm excited to talk to you again. Yeah, cool. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, I can't believe it's been 40 episodes since we last spoke. <laughs> it hasn't been that many? Yeah, this is, this is episode 40. You were, you were on episode one last time. I, I, have we not spoken in between? I'm I don't sure think we have. So. It feels like have. we have. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken to like almost all of the authors and contributors of your art of books. Okay, great. But yeah, I, that's probably I, it, actually. I, yeah. <laughs> and we've all talked about you, and a number of my guests have mentioned you in passing as having worked with you or gamed with you or something, but I don't think we've actually spoken in a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, it's been ages. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you've got some cool stuff going on. Um, for people who don't know, Dave runs Dave Taylor Miniatures. You want to tell us a little bit about that just for some context? Uh, sure. Yeah. Dave Taylor Miniatures, uh, essentially, I uh, started that as a uh, business, uh, like kind of like a consulting business, I guess, uh, to help uh, small miniature companies um, bring new product to market, uh, be it through Kickstarter or other means. Uh, and uh, market their existing product was uh, kind of the, the key thing there. Uh-huh. So using all the things that I learned uh, in my time at Games Workshop and with War Games Illustrated uh, to help them out. Cool. Uh, and yeah, over the last few years, I'm kind of I've kind of started transitioning it towards a publishing business. So um, something that you know a bit about. Yeah, a little bit. Yep. Um, I, so, I, I own yeah. many of your books, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know a bit about the publishing business. Oh, I, I do. My books. <laughs> I do. I, I, I think yeah, your books are really beautiful stuff. Um, yeah. I'm always happy but, to get a new one. So. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things. I think um, I might have. I can't remember if I mentioned this in the first episode. Might have. But uh, yeah, I was working on laying out a rule book, um, Disposable Heroes, uh, which is a World War Two rule book for uh brigade games and i'd taken the photos and i designed the pages like the the look of the pages and was kind of editing the text as i was laying it in uh so it's like i'm I'm actually really enjoying this i'm really enjoying bringing all these sort of disparate elements together to create something that people will enjoy and understand uh clearly and all that sort of thing so i wanted to start doing it for myself uh, and I have, I'm, I'm terrible with rules, so yeah. <laughs> writing a rule book was not going to happen. Uh, so I stuck with the things that I knew, which was uh, painting toy soldiers. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the first time you were on the podcast, it was mostly we were, we were talking about um, terrain essentials, but your book with Mel okay. Bowles, and yep. uh, you, you've done quite a few books since then. So yeah, the uh, terrain essentials was uh, the second one. So the first one was armies, legions, and hordes, right. uh, which which I wrote and did all the all the stuff for. Uh, terrain essentials uh, was written by Mel Bowes. Um, Mel uh, did the photography as well, so I got to do uh, all the layout and the editing work and uh, that sort of thing. Um, do the the publishing end of it. So it's kind of, uh, I guess it, it's that. There's always that odd sort of area where it's like am i just self-publishing but i'm getting it printed in like a foreign country and i'm having things shipped around the world is that still self-publishing nah you're you're publishing (laughs) for other people for sure but yeah as as soon as um as soon as i was publishing mel's book it was like okay cool that's a that's a a big step there you're you're legitimate yeah so uh of course we had the um 
the joy of uh, the pandemic, as well as yeah. um, a number of uh, sort of issues with Mel, um, with his health in particular. Uh, <laughs> there was one point where, uh, during the process, where it looked like uh, Mel had been rushed to hospital with a heart, uh, suspected heart attack. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Yeah. Sort this out. But it turned out to be a uh, just a popped lung. So just, uh, just a popped lung. Yeah. Uh, so we spent a bit of time with um, Mel, uh, like lying on his couch and uh, he and I video chatting and bullet pointing out the sort of the rest of the book from there yeah. and um, getting uh, just sort of working towards completion. Uh, we were able to complete it and then we're both super proud of that book. Uh, you, you should be just, just interject. I mean, that, that book, I go back to that book all the time. Um, you know, anytime we do anything vaguely friendly, it's, it's just, it's an incredible resource. Yeah, we're, we are uh, very excited by it. And I think we wanted to make it uh, something that was essentially uh, evergreen. It's, it's going to be as valuable today as it is in five years' time, in 10 years' time, 20 years' time. Uh, there's, um, although the techniques, the products, all those things are um, kind of staples. So um, we're excited by that. Yeah, it, it's and, truly comprehensive. You know, if, if you're listening, you're looking into terrain, please get yourself a copy of it because it's just, you're, you're it's a Bible. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. I think um, Mel and I talked about it at one point and just like, it'd be cool if it like became known as like the big green book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a chunky book. It's like 190 pages. Yeah. But um, yeah, from, from there, it was like, I, I really enjoyed working with Mel. Um, of course, as, as I mentioned, we had, had the issues. Um, but I felt that it, we both worked through those quite well. Uh, so the next thing to do would be work with, uh, well, for the first three, the Art of series uh, books, I worked with five different authors. Yeah. So it's like nothing could go wrong there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thankfully, uh, as I said, I'd learned a lot from uh, working with Mel uh, as another author um, so that, Things went quite smoothly uh, with um, the five authors, those first three books. So the Miniature Monthly team, um, so Aaron Lovejoy, Elizabeth Beckley, and uh, Matt DiPietro, and then uh, Christoph Kyle and Anna Polanchuk. Almost all of whom have been guests on the podcast at this point, and someday I'll round out the few missing ones. Yep, yeah. But they're they're all, um, all fantastic miniatures artists and... They've each got their different approach, um, and I think it's one of those things. I, mean, I have um, I have my particular painting style. I think we everybody has their own particular painting style, sure, um, or painting approach. Or if you don't have it, you're sort of working towards it, or um, you're sort of in that wonderful experimental stage. Yeah, um, but I I just love seeing other people's styles and learning how they approach their painting um even if i never intend to uh like copy their style or anything like that but just uh just to understand what they're thinking about when they create their their, their art yeah absolutely uh, I, you know the collection of artists you you've, you've done books with so far is there's so many disparate styles um, you know as stuff is so well different from dph for example um that you know even if i'm never going to paint anything like 
like Matt does in his sketch style, for example, just being able to see it and maybe think of it painting a different way than I, I normally do has been really valuable to me and just fun to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, uh, yeah, definitely. They're all fun to look at, I think, um, which is great. And yeah, I'm not sure what it is about it. I, I love pulling back the curtain and like seeing how the sausage is made and yeah, all, all those other uh, cliches about um, learning behind the behind the scenes stuff. So yeah, definitely to um, to be able to work closely with these artists about the books is um, is really it's a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure. Definitely. And you know, you did a new set of them just a few months ago, so those are coming out at some point in the near future, or the future, I should say. Yeah. Yep. So uh, when was it? May, April, May. I think we wrapped up in May. Mm-hmm. No, we wrapped up at the beginning of June. Uh, my bad. Uh, so yeah, Kickstarter was in May, finished at the beginning of June. Uh, three new books, uh, volumes four, five, and six, uh, with uh, Chris Surrey, uh, Tommy Sewell, and uh, Saini Diay, uh, who are again all very different sort of approaches. Uh, Chris is a great um, composer of scenes uh, and storyteller, I guess, uh, with his dioramas. Um, he that That's sort of his favorite sort of approach, uh, creating a story um, as he's building his miniatures and, and that sort of thing. Uh, Tommy is... Um, a fantastic painter. Um, he's a great student of the um, the heavy heavy metal style from GW, um, but rather than sort of slavishly reproducing stuff from uh, the heavy metal approach, Tony spent a lot of time thinking about it, talking with a lot of other artists about it, and creating uh, basically stripping back uh, a lot of the um, the jargon, I guess, mm-hmm. that, that we can sometimes uh, use in painting. Uh, I think his his example is always about feathering, um, where he, he says, "So feathering, what what's feathering? Describe feathering to me. How do you feather something when you're, yeah. when you're doing painting?" And uh, his his examples are, um, I think, uh, Darren Latham has a particular like approach when he says oh, yeah, i'm just gonna feather this and he does it with a particular type of brush stroke uh-huh. and then uh angel Araldes says oh, i'm just gonna feather this part and does a completely different right. stroke <laughs> um and they get sort of different results so what is feathering here are two two uh incredibly well-known artists miniature artists who are calling their their particular approach to this thing the same using the same word for it but it's two different things right they're completely different techniques ultimately right yeah yep exactly so uh so tommy's book is going to be um a lot of his fundamentals course Uh uh-huh uh which strips things down to the the most sort of basic uh um, I guess single interpretation yeah. approaches. Uh, so um, I think Darren Latham's feathering is a pull stroke, and um, Angel's is like a side stroke. Okay, but um, but 
yeah, in, in Tommy's book, is going to talk about pull strokes, push strokes, and side strokes. Interesting. Which are kind of the three different ways that you can move the brush. Sure. Yeah, I've never thought about that. That's really interesting. And uh, depending on how you've loaded the brush and what the consistency of your paint is, uh, you're going to get different results. Sure. But the the idea is that if as once you've gone through and you're like, okay, I, I understand the, uh, setting consistency on the palette. I understand how to load my brush in different ways. I understand what the pull stroke, push stroke, and the side stroke are and when to use them. You can go, okay, well, let, let's do some OSL. And rather than people being freaked out by it, you're like, okay, well, that's just this application yeah. of one of those strokes in this way with this level of consistency. Sure. No, that's great. That's really cool. I'm, I'm, so, I'm excited uh, to see more people kind of approaching um, the hobby in, in more um, practical terms like that. Because, you know, I think for so long, miniatures painting kind of, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was in the basement, right? Everybody kind of figured it out for themselves in the 90s and early 2000s. Yep. Um, you know, and, and so many people did it in isolation because there was, there were so few ways to talk to each other back then. Yeah. And then on top of that, people were kind of, you know, the miniatures gaming community was sort of siloed from the fine arts community. So there's a lot of reinventing the wheel, right? Like, you know, Oh, exactly. There, yeah. There were things in art, you know, fine arts have known to do for literally centuries, if not millennia, that miniatures painters who don't, who were never trained to think of themselves as artists, never thought to go and look for, you know, the artistic basis of what they're doing. And I think it's, there's, it's really valuable that people like Tommy are doing things like this and showing people. You know, no, it is good to have a cohesive set of, of instructions and jargon and techniques. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, it's it's definitely going to be uh, good to sort of uh, demystify some of the stuff. Uh, and yeah, as you say, um, it's not specifically going to be talking. I, I don't know that it's going to be specifically talking about... Uh, some of those great techniques. I know that Tommy does want to talk about uh, non-metallic metals at, at some point, which is one of those classic 2D sure. art techniques. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and object source lighting and a few other things. But uh, yeah, I, I think at the moment he's a little bit worried that uh, he's going to run over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I said, that's going to be, Tommy, it's going to be a great, Great problem for us to have. We'll have to yeah, work out absolutely. what to do when we get to that stage. <laughs> so uh, that's good. And uh, and Saini, of course, has uh, a, just a spectacular approach to color um, and uh, texture and patterns that that um, I just love so much in his work. That uh, so he's gonna be talking a lot about that. Um, yeah, he was he was my guest in, back in May uh, when the Kickstarter was yeah. live. He was he was he was just a really really great guest. He had so many cool things to say. Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the things that uh, that we I always find interesting coming from a um, from a, an Anglo-centric um, approach to art or approach to miniatures is that coming from Australia and spending time in the US, we don't have a lot of that deeper. Um, we don't have a lot of that deeper art culture. Sure. That um, that they do in in France and Spain and Italy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, hearing him talk about art is just fantastic. Yeah, no, he had some he had a really great perspective, and you know, his 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 work is so different from a lot so much other stuff that I see. He was it's a real real breath of fresh air. Yeah, and just a really nice guy too, like just a cool yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely great to uh, to be uh, yeah working with really good people. It's nice. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And those books are slated to come out next year sometime? Uh, they are. Um, so at the moment, I am about probably about 50% of the way through laying out Chris's book, uh, maybe 30% of Tommy's and probably about 20% of Saini's. Right uh, but uh, August is my big layout month. It's the yeah. only thing I've got on the cards is uh, laying out those books. Um, so I think October, everything will be going off to the printers, which will put us in good shape to have um, those shipping out to backers in February, much like we did this year. Very cool. And, and after uh, that, they'll be available you- for sale if you missed the Kickstarter? Yeah. Yep. So at the at the moment uh, we have the pre order store open on Backer Kit, uh, so I can send you the link for that. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yep. Uh, and then after that, they'll be uh, available through you know, like uh, local hobby stores can pick them up. Uh, in the US, they can get them from Alliance or Bridge Distribution. Uh, in the rest of the world, they can get them through Warlord Games. Uh, so yeah, people, if if they've missed the the first three. They can grab them through those, uh, through their local store. Very cool. Uh, or online through Ironheart Artisans or Warlord Games. Awesome. So, um, but yeah, the the idea is that we'll just go along and we'll keep building up this uh, library of incredible artists um, over the next oh, however many years. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm excited to see where you keep going. The, the books they're really great quality too. They look great on the bookshelf. They're 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 really beautiful tomes. So I'm I'm excited to have a, a big bookshelf full of them soon. Yeah, I just wanted to have that um, that really uh, great. Uh, basically, for people to, to look at them and go, "Oh yeah, these are these are quality." I'm I'm impressed by the not not only the art of the the artists themselves, but by the by the product themselves. No, they're, they're they're true coffee table books. They're you know they're they're great to flip through or page through and just you know really really drink in and enjoy. Cool, thank you. Some of these days I'll, I'll figure out a, a pitch to give you for my own. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's very cool. So uh, what, so I was gonna say other things. You've also done some table building lately. I think you you can talk about that, right? I'll this part if necessary for uh, Modifius. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've just recently done um, some, oh my goodness, uh, what did I do? I did a, an Elder Scrolls table and a Fallout table uh, so for cool. the Modifius team. So there are basically demo tables, the two by two demo tables uh, that will be at Gen Con um, next week. Yeah, just a few days. Really uh, and it's, it's cool. I mean, uh, you and I uh, kind of met. Yeah. <laughs> through uh, work, me working on some tables. In fact, that table is still in my garage right now. Oh, well, there we go. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but uh, yeah, so you and, uh, and I, I met uh, Greg as well through that um, that project. Yeah, Gregoire, who's actually also been a guest on the podcast. Gregoire, formerly of Dust USA and now uh, convention manager, coordinator at Modifius. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, fellow yeah, union member. Me. Oh, sorry? And fellow union member. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah, when he when he got in touch with me, I was like, "Oh yeah, that'd be, that'd be fantastic to work with you on um, on this." And so uh, we've got a um, the Elder Scrolls table is the uh, Bleak Falls Barrows, uh, sort of the exterior of that. So um, mountainside, lots of uh, gray granite and uh, snow. It's such a cool table and cool um, steps and that kind of thing. Yeah, the the, the then, big stone arches and stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the stone arches, I, stone arches in the doorway, 
Uh, it got the ones that don't, like Modifius makes um, resin uh, arches and doorways. Ah, okay. So uh, the the arches and the doorways are from their uh, resin line. Uh, everything else on that table is um, foam or uh, cork bark, uh, which I was using for the very first time. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure why I'd never used it before, but uh, I guess it really hadn't had a like a mountainous landscape to yeah, sure to worry about. Uh, and it was it was it was funny. I, I had no idea how much I was going to need. Um, so I found it that like an Etsy store that sells sells cork bark in varying sizes for uh, like lizard terrariums, uh-huh. and I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll get. I'll get two pounds of this stuff, like the sm- like smaller chunks, and uh, I'll get five pounds of these larger pieces that are anywhere up to like twelve inches long. Mm-hmm. Seven pounds of cork delivered, <laughs> and I think on that table I used two. Oh no! Two pounds. <laughs> you, you've got cork problem solved for a while, huh? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm all good. I'm all good with that. Uh, and I also used some of the uh, Geek Gaming Scenics uh, modeling compound uh, again for the first time yeah. uh, to sort of fill things in. And I was like, I've got no idea how much I need of this. I'll get two two of those bags, and I needed four. Oh so, no! <laughs> it was like, oh, fantastic! Now I'm understanding how much I need of all these things. So, uh, but it, it's all uh, it all worked out well, and uh, I was very happy with that. So. That's great. Yeah. So those are going to be demo tables at Gen Con? Demo tables at Gen Con. Very uh, cool. And yeah, I, hopefully those those tables will be demo tables for many years to come. Yeah. So if oh, sorry. If the, go ahead. I didn't mention the uh, the Fallout one is the Nuka World oh, yeah. parking lot. Oh, so, super uh, cool. Parking lot out the front of that. Um, and it was, it's kind of, it's not exactly like the front of Nuka World. But it's similar. It's very, uh-huh. very similar. It's a, a stylized version to make it um, better for gameplay. Sure, for, sure. For gameplay. That's awesome. So yeah, if, if you're listening and you're going to Gen Con next week, go to the Modifius booth, check out the check out Dave's Temple Tables, and say hey to Gregoire because he should be at the booth there. Yep, should be uh, should be very cool. And and once uh, they've appeared at Gen Con, I'll be putting them up on my like Instagram and Facebook page and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Very cool, and I, I know you have some secret tables in the work too, which I wish you would tell me about, but I understand that you can't. So yeah, I'm, no, I'm not allowed to. But uh, again, keep an eye yeah. on my Instagram <laughs> and Facebook page because you'll see some uh, pictures of those once I'm allowed to. Yeah, show yeah. those. Awesome. So yeah, you, you you've got your hands in all kinds of party parts of the hobby. Um, I know you've done some live streaming in the past, but I know you've got a new sort of video uh, realm you're exploring. Isn't that the case with the your new YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for the last four years, on a, like, there have been a couple of breaks here and there during that four years, but um, yeah, I've been uh, working with Game Trade Media on uh, the Painting Happy Little Minis uh, live stream. Uh, we've done all sorts of stuff over that time. Um, I guess probably close to 200 episodes. Actually, possibly more. Oh, wow. Um, probably, probably more because yeah, the, the first two years I think we were doing two episodes a week. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, a lot, lot of uh, painting on that. Um, but uh, late April, 
uh, my co-host left. Um, she's uh, pregnant, uh, and she decided that she wanted to spend time uh, enjoying the pregnancy, and uh, then moving on to become of uh, like focusing on being a mom, sure. uh, so that she wasn't going to uh, be able to devote time to the live stream, uh, which is totally cool. I think uh, Gretchen's going to be an awesome mum. Uh, and then uh, our producer Leona uh, moved on to another um, another job. So the game trade media team, uh, as it was, uh, we're like, okay, we'll, we'll need to find a producer to, to replace the owner live streams on hiatus. And, uh, that's been a couple of months now. So, um, my buddy, uh, Jake, uh, Krajewski, uh, from, uh, Boston, uh, he runs the, uh, Alpha Omega hobby store in uh, Quincy, Massachusetts, just south of Boston. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've known Jake for almost 20 years, used to work with him at Games Workshop. Uh, he was like, oh, I'd really love to do a, a law painting, building uh, podcast. And I was like, hey, I'd like to do something similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, do a, let's do a live stream. So, and he was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And it's like, okay, can we start next week? And I was yeah. like, well, um, I, I've been on a lot of live streams. I never actually run one. So I needed to, I wanted to spend a little bit of time learning how to do sure. that kind of stuff. Sure. And uh, and as you know, it's not just flicking a switch and talking. Sadly not. No, there's a, uh, a bunch of decisions to be made and buttons to be pressed before anything actually goes live. So, uh, yeah, that's been a an incredibly eye-opening experience uh and we're still well i'm still sort of making the odd mistake here and there um with it all but uh yeah the the idea with uh build paint play is the name of the the channel uh-huh. uh we're doing weekly streams where uh we talk a bit about uh things that we're excited about things we've seen during the week products that are coming up um minis that we want to get a hold of, uh, events that we're going to, um, events that we've been at. And then uh, we generally have a, a sort of a bit of a topic, a bit of a focal point. Um, and last well, last week, oh, sorry, sorry, episode we just finished, uh, we looked at um, converted vehicles. We talked about converting vehicles and looked at examples from our uh, Facebook group. So folks um, from across the country or around the world actually just popped in some uh, examples of their favorite converted vehicles. And we had a look through those, which was really neat. Very cool. Uh, the week before we did uh, converted Praetors for uh, Horus Heresy. Yeah, there was some really cool stuff you guys shared from that. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. I think um, a lot of people were very excited to create um something unique for their armies what, what i really like about stuff like that is you know so many people were using the same two praetors from that age of darkness box and the yep. the wealth of variety that people developed on top from that that sort of standardized base was still really cool and it's like all those variations on that theme was just awesome to see yeah yeah it's, it's uh yeah definitely seeing how many like what variety you could get from those two um fairly fairly static poses 
um, and fairly like instantly recognizable silhouettes. Yeah. Looking at the way that people changed those up was uh, was very impressive. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. Definitely, uh, definitely neat. But uh, yeah, so our our plan with that is just to keep uh, chatting away every every Tuesday night. Um, fortunately, like Jake and I could could talk like just talk amongst ourselves for like hours and hours sure. and hours on end. Um, we, we did a few. Uh, sort of sample runs at it just to get uh, to see if things like our audio was reasonable. Yeah. Um, get an idea of, of what we'd talk about or how we'd even talk or what sort of pacing we might have. Uh, so we've got some uh, sort of undiscovered episodes, I guess. Oh, really? They, they might be revealed um, as we reach certain anniversaries. Bonus content. Yeah, we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll, switch it, we'll switch it from uh, from um, what do you call it, unlisted to to public. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so it's it's really just that an opportunity for us to to talk and put our opinions out into the, sure. the world. Or I think more more importantly, one of the things that we want to do is um, we want to concentrate on the positive, and we want to take the approach of if we find something that doesn't didn't meet our expectations or was different to our expectations that we can then talk to the creators of the product or the creators of whatever it happens to be and ask them questions about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can get an idea. Like um, just recently I got a whole bunch of the uh, really cool pro acryl paints Yeah, from uh, monument hobbies. Oh yeah. I've, I've got a few of them myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are some paints in there like uh, coal black, for example, uh, obviously, it having the same name as the P3 paint, coal black, but being a very different look. Sure. I was like, okay, well, that, that that's the first thing that's going to not confuse me, but I'm going to have a preconceived notion. Yeah. Um, but I usually use a lot of, um, I use the Vallejo black, which has a bit of a, it's not matte, it's not completely matte. Mm-hmm. Kind of satin, uh, right? Yeah, it's got a got a bit of satin. Uh, it's sort of like between matte and satin, and uh, but the coal black from Proacryl is matte. It's yeah, really matte. So I uh, I contacted uh, Jason uh, Jason Craze, the owner of Monument Hobbies, and said, "Hey, um, coal black." And he goes, "Yeah, it's really matte, isn't it? It's great." <laughs> I went, <laughs> I, "I usually use this," and he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah. Um, well, you, you might not like the matte then." Um, well, what I'd suggest is you mix it in with a little bit of the transparent black. And I was like, well, aren't the transparent just like washes? Isn't that just going to thin down my things? It's no, like, no, they're, they're, they're much more like inks. And so we had, a, we had a fantastic chat about a whole bunch of the line and, and things that, um, that you can do with them. Um, like I'm used to using hammered, hammered copper from Vallejo mm-hmm. as a base for my gold. And Hammered Copper's got that great, um, like reddish orange to it. Sure. Uh, but the Monument Hobbies copper is very is very orange. It's very like polished copper. Uh, so it wasn't working as that same straight sure, base yeah, could. Yeah. Uh, so I said, I said to Jason, "Hey, are you thinking of doing some more metallics? If you are, could you do it? Could you do a copper like this?" 
And he said, well, put some, uh, put some of that out on your palate and put a drop of the uh, transparent red in it and, and let me know what you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Because he, uh, and, and again, that's part of that conversation. His, that whole paint range is based on the way that Jason paints. Yeah. And he loves to do, uh, he loves to mix. And it's like, I don't mind mixing. And I will actually end up mixing a lot. But I hadn't, I'd never thought to do that from the base color. Sure, sure. Okay, yeah, this is cool. You can keep your range relatively tight. Um, it's a little bit of extra work, but you get to personalize it as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always there's kind of two two lines of paint out there, right? You have you have your sort of systems like Citadels, where you know, or, or uh, Duncan's new stuff, where you've got you know a paint triad, a, you know, your base, your midtone, and your highlight, and yep. then, you know you have your washes and so forth to create shades. Um, or you have your sort of more, you know, I think of them maybe a little bit more of an advanced set um, in the way that like uh, Chimera paints or even P3 to a certain degree are where, you know, um, you got to do a little bit of the work yourself. And I, I think they're, they just speak to different kinds of painters. Yeah. Yep. And of course, that's not to say that you can't, you know, um, mix and match with, you know, mix your own paints with Citadels. I certainly do that all the time too, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a little more of an intuitive system. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um and, and I mean, when it comes down to it as well, you can mix mix all the paints in together. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've been uh, using the Proacol a lot more, but I'm still using them and mixing them in with some of my Army Painter or Vallejo or yeah. Citadel. So it's um, one of the things I love about them is they they last a, they seem to last a lot longer on my wet palette as well. Yeah, um, they've got a great consistency. Yep. But that was a, a great tangent. But uh, so, oh, sure, yeah, go ahead. Going, going back to the idea, though, the, the concept is that, that if we come across something that's like, oh, this is unusual, or this was unexpected, um, we'll get in touch with people and say, hey, what were you thinking about this? Again, it's that pulling back the curtain, having a look, yeah. and, and seeing um, the decisions that go into creating some of this stuff. It's almost like journalism. I wouldn't go that far. I might. I think, you know, I think, I think it's pretty legitimate. I, I can't. I can't think of too many podcasts out there, or you know, any kind of gaming media where, like, you know, if somebody encounters an issue with a a product, they actually go and talk to the manufacturer, and report back. That's. I mean, that's 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 really cool. I think it's a real service. Yeah, I um, I I think it's uh, as as you know, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that's uh, that tends towards the negative because it pushes the algorithm or that yep. kind of thing, uh, and we're just really not interested in that. Yeah, it's it's it, everything's. Uh, as we go through life, we create our own expectations or we, we get to manage our own expectations mm -hmm. uh, and taking an approach where, where we can, where like in that one, I, I, I literally said to Jason, I said, I'm finding this is happening. What am I doing wrong? And he's sure. like, well, actually when, when we put them together, like I don't use a wet palette is what like, he said. He said to me, Jason doesn't use a wet palette. So it, none of the paints were originally formulated with a wet palette. Yeah, in mind. Yeah. Um, so he said, just, just run it a little bit drier than you usually would. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. that give that a go. <laughs> so I might have it on a slight angle where I'll put the Peracle paints at the, like the top of the slope and my other paints at the bottom of the slope. <laughs> sure. Where it's going to be a little bit wetter. That so uh, yeah, it's just doing things like that is um, it's going to be fun. Yeah. As I said, I really enjoy that looking behind there behind the curtain so I, I know what you guys are talking about or have an idea of what you guys are going to talk about on the podcast or on the, the the video i should say but um what do you what are we seeing in the video while we're watching 
Um, so the uh, for the live stream, um, it will be uh, like Jake and I as talking heads. Um, we'll uh, when we've requested the um, folks in the chat to to post some photos into our uh, Facebook group for a particular topic. We'll run through those. Uh, I think not not next week's episode, but the the episode after uh, Gen Con. We'll have a whole bunch of photos from uh, from Jake. Jake's going, so awesome. he'll send those through, and we'll have a look through those and um, see sort of Jake's adventures in Indianapolis, yeah, uh, which will be cool. Um, that kind of that kind of thing. Uh, the first couple of episodes, I did a little uh, like a little hobby tip video uh-huh. um, that I filmed beforehand, uh, so. We're going to mess around with that kind of thing. Uh, hopefully, the week after our Gen Con recap, we'll be able to have uh, Dan Osborne on as a guest. Um, so Dan uh, has been... Pa- oh, Dan's been painting for ages, for, yeah. for a long time. Um, but he is currently working on, or oh, he's almost wrapped up a Warlord Titan for the uh, Nova Open Charitable Foundation wow, that's um, cool. summer raffles. So, um, yeah, I'd love to sort of get him on. And uh, Dan does some fantastic stuff on Instagram and does some really cool reels uh, where he has that the wonderful, um, like, peeling off of the masking. Yeah. Either, either masking, <laughs> tape or masking with masking fluid. Yeah. And it goes from, like, oh, it looks ugly to, oh, my goodness, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it'd be great to have him on and uh, and yeah. talk about that. And uh, that would be our, our first guest. And no doubt it's going to bring a whole host of uh, technical issues for me. Sure. Uh, which is going to freak me out. But uh, that's how you learn, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. You throw yourself in at the deep end. And uh, yeah, so that it's going to be that kind of, that's that's kind of going to be the visual interest. Um, it's definitely uh, cool. We've got, um, so as the, the viewership the live viewership is growing. Uh, we're seeing, uh, we're, we're able to sort of uh, talk with people in the chat and answer questions or ask questions or um, get uh, like find out what people are, are working on or excited yeah. about or that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, so I think that's one of the things that I really enjoyed from doing the Painting Happy Little Minis live stream was the interaction in the chat. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, getting to over the course of four years, going to see somebody who had just started painting, and then uh, like three years later was was painting fantastic, um, fantastic stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and not really because of anything we did, but because of um, their enthusiasm and yeah. excitement for uh, for what they were doing. So, I think uh, that's going to be a, a good thing. So. Uh, being able to talk with people and answer answer their questions or help them manage those expectations, I think they're the the key thing for us. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, and you know, if if somebody's out there and they missed the live stream, they can watch the video on the YouTube channel later on. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So uh, if you head to uh, Build Paint Play, is our uh, YouTube channel, you'll find the pilot episode. And then the uh, the first three uh, actual live streams. Awesome, yeah. And if you're listening, just check the show notes. There'll be a link in it right there. Yeah, cool. 
Cool. So uh, yeah, so I know what you're what you're all doing for work, but what are you what are you working on as far as the hobby these days? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like for the last two weeks, I haven't had a chance to, uh, to paint any of my own stuff. Uh, but I am like many folks <laughs> working on Horace Heresy. Yeah. Yep. Um, so super excited about that. I, ma- I managed to get after Adepticon, uh, when they, uh, and GW made a lot of announcements and uh like confirmed that it was happening and all that sort of thing i was like oh wow okay i've got a whole bunch of death guard stuff for my uh loyalist death guard army that is assembled and primed i just need to get it all painted so between then and the launch of the box set i just focused on on getting those guys done mm-hmm. uh, and then once the box set dropped i moved into word bearers oh awesome so I kind of went from the so loyalist death guard is kind of that strange um, spot. It's really it's Nathaniel Garrow and the yeah, yeah. 70, seventy guys on the Eisenstein. Um, I haven't really done it that way. I've just painted up a, a cool death guard army that's sure kind of quite quite clean. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't but, look like the worst toilet in Scotland. Pardon? They don't all look like the worst toilet in Scotland. No, 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 they don't. (laughs) (laughs) They don't. Um, But uh, yeah, I like the idea of like Garo being, Garo was the guy who uh, sort of delivered the the news to Terra and then uh, going with the word bearers who kicked it all off. So yeah, um, it's good. I like the, the uh, extremes there. No, that's awesome. I I almost ended up doing word bearers, sorry, word bearers myself. Um, Yeah. I, I, it's several years back. I, tried doing alpha legion i was never happy with the paint job i got on them and i I ended up selling to a buddy of mine um and i kind of put off getting back to heresy for a while then of course the new game came out like oh i guess it's i guess it's time and then uh, i basically spent the entire spring and early summer agonizing over what legion to do like like i was giving it the kind of like like thought that people put into you know decisions like built like buying which house they're gonna buy right Uh, (laughs) just completely irrationally uh you know but but you know every three days i'd I'd have a new legion i was gonna i was i was this is gonna be it i'm gonna do gonna do this one and then i changed my mind right Um, (laughs) and uh i i finally i finally settled on sons of horus and i I can say this because i've actually started painting them finally but okay cool yeah it took it took me probably six six solid weeks of, of just like you know trying to decide you know like like a teenager trying to say who their date to the prom is gonna be like, right. it was it was ridiculous but but yeah. I'm, I'm, i've done it I'm, I'm pleased with my choice i'm i'm, I'm committed now <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome yeah i think uh I, sons of horus is a, a fantastic choice um the the color scheme is great the characters within the sons of horus are great the um their their options the like the special rules are, are cool so they're a lot of fun to play on the tabletop so uh yeah i i I must admit, I I wanted to do them because I, I love that color scheme too. But uh, in the end, I was like, I think I think everybody's going to be doing Sons of Horus because honestly, they're they're, they're the cool, one of the coolest. Yeah, it, oddly enough, in, in my sort of like regular gaming group, of which many of us are starting to play Ter- Heresy, only one other person has picked them out of about twelve. Okay, people, so I'm not feeling too bad about the choice. Imperial right. Fists, on the other hand, represent like twenty five percent of our group. <laughs> which is funny to me because yellow used to scare people away and now yeah. everybody's just like yeah i can paint yellow <laughs> which yeah. is great but uh, it's it's a real sea change 
yeah definitely definitely um speaking of speaking of yellow um just quickly i i'm not sure if you've seen any of richard gray's videos no i don't recently. think so uh so yeah on uh youtube richard gray has a uh a youtube channel uh, i think it's just called richard gray um but he's a fantastic richard's a fantastic um painter from the uk and he's working on an imperial fist army and he has done i think he's done four or five videos like different different models in each video and a different approach to each one mm -hmm. uh so there's one where uh, well a, a, not a completely different approach but a slightly different approach to each one uh so he did a um like a regular tactical marine i think with um his airbrush he airbrushed a brown and then he mixed in some white and then did a, a white sort of zenithal with the airbrush mm -hmm. uh, and then sprayed uh, a yellow over it to um so he had his his shading already in there yeah yeah um and that looked great and the next video was like a lot of people have been saying yeah but that's with an airbrush i don't have an airbrush uh so then he went and did a contempted dreadnought with uh some of the like the artist opus dry brushes uh-huh the um sort of the makeup brush yeah, yeah. style and i uh, like at, at the end you couldn't tell you wow. couldn't tell that it wasn't airbrushed wow that's cool uh and yeah it looked fantastic and the latest one that he's done is the leviathan dreadnought and he started with the same airbrush base colors and then airbrushed the i think the imperial fist contrast paint the new one oh yeah yeah yep uh over and uh yeah it's it again looks fantastic that's um, cool so, I, I think part, i think the quality of yellow paints has increased so much in the last 10 years that I, I think a lot of those old fears about painting yellow came from like back in the 90s when you just had like one or two on the market and they were kind of janky yeah yeah, not that yellow doesn't have its challenges, but I, I feel like you know the pigment used to be just so weak, and the the, the paint was just a poor quality back then. I think that was just an advancement made to some degree. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. The uh, I think a lot of the it's probably got to do with the different uh, different companies, different manufacturers. Yeah. Pardon me, um, working on their mediums. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, just switching those up so that they don't um, break apart as as quickly as they used to um the well, when you sort of introduce water to them so yeah it's definitely been exciting to to see that and well, so yeah you, you can get things like a blank medium these days right you know you don't have yeah. to use water to thin if you don't want to so that, that's been sort of a big big breakthrough for a lot of people yeah yeah definitely definitely it's funny actually yeah over in, uh there's a box i'm looking at across the room that has a uh a bottle of the uh Pro Acryl glazing and wash medium. <laughs> I gotta get that. I only I only got two Pro Acryls from uh, Adepticon. I got their their titanium white, which of course everybody was talking about, which lives up to the hype. Uh, yeah. And their um a very bright green. I can't remember the name of it. I've been using it on my my uh, BL10 Eldar, which has been wonderful. But I was really impressed with the two that I've used so far. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've got a got a whole bunch here. One of the things I love is uh, is their dark silver. Oh yeah. Yeah, get your get yourself some of the dark silver. It's uh, it's great. So it, I, I use now I use the dark silver as the base coat, and then mix in some of their silver, which is really bright mm -hmm. um, for the next highlight. Then a final dot of that for the the final highlight. It just works really well. You don't even need to 
sort of throw a wash over it. <laughs> oh, cool. I'll definitely check that out. Um, but yeah, um, that's that's the next one I would suggest. Right on. Um, Thanks for the tip. Yep. But they're, uh, yeah, they're very good. They, but the, the word bearers that I'm painting, actually, I'm using, because they, the paints arrived at the same time as I was starting work on the word bearers. Oh, yeah. So it's like, okay, I'm going to see how much of this I can do with like just peripheral paints. And uh, yeah, like still in my regular style, my regular approach. Sure. Uh, and yeah, so it's pretty much, they're all working, all working quite well. That's very cool. Actually, you know, when I was starting to plan out my, my uh, Sons of Horus, um, Army in Earnest, I actually went and referred to um, Army's Legions and Horus just for that bit of philosophy you have on, on army building. So it's very, very helpful to kind of keep centered on the project. Right. Yep. To keep it focused. Yeah. Do, do you have a do you have a particular uh, theme behind the army or? Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much is really going to show in the paint job. I guess my side is going to peek through. But um, my original plan had been I was going to be the the army is going to be the war band of a specific Sons of Horus, uh, or Son of Horus, who was a a gang leader on Chthonia because you know they've got that sort of aspect of it. Yep. And I, I was <clears throat> I hadn't really <clears throat> I hadn't really put it all together. And then last week, Games Workshop put out their exemplary battle PDF. Okay. Um, yep. Which I, you know, they put those out for like you know it's like specific battles from the setting, and then they introduced a couple of new units, <clears throat> and the new unit they they introduced was a, a, for Sons of Horus called Chieftains, who are like an elite retinue, and the idea is that they're all they're all specific gang leaders who've been elevated to like watch out for one um, specific uh, war leader, and, I, right. and my my whole army actually kind of gelled around that after I read about that. I was like, oh, cool. So you know, when I expanded three thousand points from the Dark Age of Darkness box, I'm gonna kit bash and add a unit of these chieftains because that'll be like you know all the underbosses of this 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 gang leader right because I, I like the idea, i like the idea of my warlord being just you know just being a thug which i think is sort of uh uniquely sons of horus yeah sons of a... i don't know but I, I thought that's kind of my vague concept and you know i've got the decals coming which have the uh, the gang um symbols from from chthonia so i'm going to integrate those I'm, I'm still i'm still figuring out some of the details on that like i might do those instead of um like uh army uh, logos on their shoulder pads but i haven't quite figured out how i'm going to land on all of that but that, oh, that's sure. my theme yep oh awesome that'd be that'd be super cool yeah and probably you know i'm a big nerd so i'll probably write a little bit of of setting material for for my army and my my warlord and stuff but uh i'll restrain myself to less than two thousand words i think yeah <laughs> no that's uh that'd be good i think um one of the things you mentioned there like using those symbols to replace uh, instead of having the the legion symbol um, or a chapter symbol or a company symbol or that kind of thing um, is that's one of the cool things about the Horus Heresy that even though you can end up with like if you've got a, a unit of 20 guys that are all Mark 6 or Mark 4 or whatever they happen to be um, where they look fairly similar there's lots of little details and you don't not everybody has to have the same symbols in the same places yeah especially if you're playing a traitor force too right like some of those guys kind of Went went sharply sideways very quickly. <laughs> sure, yeah. The, uh, the the word bearers being one of those. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, no, you're completely uh, completely correct there. And and there's also the the thing where the uh, particularly the Mark Six because they um, the bulk of the Mark Six have those um, studded shoulder pads on the left, uh, where in 40k that's where the chapter symbol sits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the legion symbol, it, it's, I think a lot of people will, if they have a clear sh- a shoulder pad on the left, they'll put the legion symbol on the left. Yeah, but I think um, they typically go on the right. So, um, 
yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing where you can you can play with that as well. Uh, so yeah, it, you might you might end up with zero legion symbols or zero actual symbols. Yeah, and, and it's it's still sort of thematically appropriate too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. definitely. Yeah, I mean, the, um, go ahead. with my uh, my death god, even though they're um, loyalists, and so they don't have a lot of sort of chaos markings to do on them. Um, they still don't. They they still wouldn't have been big into ornamentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, but a bunch of them I don't have the Death Guard symbol on there, but on one of the shoulder pads I'll have a tactical marking, sure, or um, a sort of heavy support marking or that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's really cool all the all the additional personalization that you can do. It's one of the things I really like about the Heresy, and it it, it allows you to do two usually kind of disparate elements of. of wargaming is of the, the painting hobby and that's you can almost treat the horus heresy like a historical miniatures game but for 40k right because there's all this background material, like really deep yeah. background material to mine um so you know if you want to have you know say the word bearers and ultramarines from kelth right like your, your ultramarines yeah. could have little black x's on them for the the, the, the mark of kelth like the, they they sometimes do in the thing so that's a way for you know even your your loyalist army to kind of individualize themselves it's a very appropriate and thematic um, yeah definitely definitely and, but Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I think um, if you're if you're going to if you're going to get into it, definitely uh, either grab the books or listen to the audio books and uh, find that find something that that hooks you. Yeah, and angle. That. But, but conversely, because this because the heresy is such an enormous thing, yep. if you want to go and make up your own stuff, you can still do that and have it comfortably sit side by side with somebody else's, you know, very lore derived army. I think that's really exciting that you know both of those approaches are very valid, um, and you know it's, it's this great great sense of immersion and verisimilitude. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, the um, because we we always have to remember that even though we're doing like if this is historical wargaming, it's um, historical fiction, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> none of this actually existed, so yeah, th- there is no sort of be all and end all, and uh, and the wonderful approach that the Jedi takes with that uh, like. Uh, unreliable narrator mm-hmm. is uh, is just like you can you can hear something can go oh I love that and it's yeah. not supported by anything else yep. you can still love it <laughs> yeah. and, and on top of that, the the scope of the, the 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 setting is just so big that there's a corner for you to do whatever you want and have it make total sense yep yep absolutely yeah. cool well Dave I got to go get some air conditioning because there's a heat wave in Washington and I am going to die if I stay in this room any longer <laughs> Ooh, don't but- do that. Yeah, thanks so much for talking to me. I'm really excited to see more of your, your YouTube stuff, to see your tables at Gen Con um, and everything. So thanks, man. Um, yeah, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, as always, I'm happy to come and chat about any free, everything. Yeah, and we'll have to get a heresy game in sometime before too long. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, definitely cool. For sure. All right, Dave, take care. Have a good one. Thank you. The Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com. Mm-hmm.